Amen. Open your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. And so last week, we had a guest preacher, Mitch Glazer, president of Chosen People's Ministries. He opened the word to Romans 1, 16 and 17. Well, before that, a couple of weeks earlier, as I was praying about how the Lord would lead me to close out our World Missions Week emphasis, he led me to Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 18. And so this morning, I want us to pick up in Romans 1, 16 and 17. That's where we were last week. And then we'll continue right on verses 18 through 23. What an incredible week of world missions that we have had. Now, I'm going to say it one more time because I really want this to be heard and understood. When we went through the Who's Your One emphasis, that series of sermons, almost every week I would remind us, when we get to the last sermon in your Who's Your One emphasis, that does not mean that we stop praying for lost people and sharing the gospel with them. Amen? That series of sermons was designed to ignite our hearts that the Lord would use it, that we would become a gospel-sharing church people. And as a matter of fact, if you remember on that last Sunday, that was November the 10th, when we ended that series, we had hit right at exactly 1,000. And there may have been some that thought, oh yeah, sure, our goal was 1,000, we hit right at the, we hit right at 1,000. Now, let me tell you some more good news. In the two weeks since we ended that, we are now over 1,071 who have made a commitment to pray for a person and share the gospel with them. Amen. We keep that. Listen, here's what that means. Even when the sermon series ended, the Lord is still moving. The people are still making the commitment. The display is still up. If this morning the Lord lays on your heart one person for whom to pray for and to share the gospel with, grab a white ping pong ball, write their initial on it, drop it in. Begin today praying for someone and looking for the opportunity to share the gospel with them. And so just like when we went through that emphasis, it doesn't end. So too, world missions doesn't end. As a matter of fact, let me challenge you. My wife and I, several years ago, we began giving throughout the year to world missions. We didn't want to wait till holiday time to make our gift because we want our best gift that we make this year to be our gift to the Lord. And so throughout the year, we give above our tithe to the world missions offering. So let me challenge you to consider doing that because that is what we are called to. We're called to missions. And so what I want to do this morning in the sermon is the Lord has really led me to tie together a whole bunch of things as we head into this holiday season, Thanksgiving, then Christmas. And so take a trip down memory lane. We started the year with Untangled. It was a sermon series that we wanted to get rid of the things in our life that were holding us back from living a completely devoted life to the Lord. So we called it Untangled. As a part of that, we went through financial peace. And so that's an aspect that you're going to hear this morning in the sermon. 
Then we went through a family series on living our lives for the Lord in front of our family and in, in, in our marriages, devoting ourselves to him through that. Went through the summer, we went through Jude, talking about how we are to live completely committed to the Lord, and we studied the book of Jude. Then we went to the Hoosier One emphasis. In Hoosier One, we talked about praying for a person and sharing the gospel with them. Now we're in World Missions Week. Romans chapter 1 is where we're going to be, and we're going to be heading into the holiday season when we have the opportunity in December starting next Sunday. More people will respond to an invitation to worship in church in December than any other month of the year. So let me invite you as you hear this sermon series, what is God calling you to do? What is the commitment as we close out World Missions Week? What is the commitment that the Lord is calling you to this morning? And so you're going to be hearing all these aspects in this morning's sermon. How is it that we can use this coming week and the succeeding weeks to be a witness for Jesus Christ? Romans chapter 1. Here we go. We're going to, again, we're going to start reading in 16 and 17. That's where we were last Sunday, and then we will continue forward. If you need a Bible, please, please take a Bible. We have a Sunday school class who is going through and replenishing the Bibles in our worship center because we did not realize how many were taking us up on the offer of, if you need a Bible, take a Bible. Please do that. And, and so I'm so thankful. I thank the Lord for that Sunday school class. You, there's a lot of Bibles in here now. If you just need one for right now, take a Bible, open it to Romans. If you need a Bible, take that one. All right, here we go. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although, pay attention to verse 21, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. One more time, verse 21, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. Honor and gratitude as a witness. Honor and gratitude as a witness. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm, I pray that people are seeing the joy of the Lord in me. 
because, Lord, I'm so thankful that I get to preach. Lord, I'm so thankful that I'm not preaching my opinion, but I get to preach truth. And, Lord, I pray that the word of God would be so deeply embedded, Lord, that it would, the sword of the Spirit would truly penetrate hearts. I pray for the conviction of the Holy Spirit in my life. Lord, I pray for the Holy Spirit to be convicting all of our hearts and that we would respond to you this morning. Lord, you are the God of all creation. You're the God of our salvation. Lord, how will we honor you this morning? What commitment are you calling us to? Lord, how are you going to raise up gratitude in our hearts? Lord, what are you going to do this morning? And we pray that you would receive the glory, the honor, and the praise. Thank you, Lord. May someone be saved today recommitted lives lord add to us and call out and i need you lord please speak through me thank you father in jesus name we pray amen honor and gratitude as a witness i want to give you two very simple ways to be a witness for jesus christ as we enter into this holiday season and then please let it continue throughout the year honor to god and thanks to god as a witness. All right, so here we go. Let's start up. First point, honor him as God. One of the ways that we can be a witness is to honor him as God. Now, you remember, Paul opens in Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation. And then he starts addressing a lost world. Look at it again in verse 18. He writes, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Folks, in other words, what that means is the law of God is written on every heart. When a person commits murder, they know that they've done wrong. Because in every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every dialect around the world, we know that there are things wrong because God has written it on our heart. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven. So he's speaking to a lost world. And he says, and God has even shown himself to them. Namely, his attributes, eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly perceived so that every single person around the world is without excuse Every single person in the world is able to experience and and, and understand the glory of God in the firmament, in the handiwork of God in the skies. Folks, that's why there's such an urgency that we take the gospel of Jesus Christ to everyone. Because there's no one that can say, well, I'm, I'm without excuse. The scripture says God has clearly shown himself. All right? So then what's the problem? People don't honor him as God. And so keep reading in there. Look at verse 20 with me. It has been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, meaning that they understand there is a designer. They understand, I mean, it is clear that there is an order to the universe. Although they knew God, they did not honor him as God. And so, folks, Paul is clearly taking us to the point of creation here. And so let's talk about that. One of the ways that we can honor God as a witness 
is by honoring him in creation. And here's what that simply means. Folks, we know that in today's world that we live in right now, increasingly, so many people are trying to teach and to push on us. No, there is no God who created. It was all done by evolution. And friends, I'm not talking about our species able to adapt. I'm not talking about a process of evolution that we understand that that species can adapt. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about pushing evolution as the origin of the universe, that that's how it all started. There are now scientists who are trying to say, well, here's our explanation. Well, our explanation is the universe is eternal. It's just always been here. And yet they fully know that's not even what the evidence points to. How did the planets get there? They say, well, gravity has just always been there. Gravity is eternal. That can't possibly be true. And friends, here's one of the best ways we can be a witness in our world right now is honoring God as God. He is the creator. And I'm going to believe that even though in this world I'm going to be swimming upstream against the mass of society who wants to say there's, there's no possible way. Please tell me you don't believe that this invisible God spoke and all of creation came into being. Please tell me you don't believe that. I do believe it. I do believe it with all my heart. We completely see the evidence of God in creation. We understand that there is a designer. And so yesterday was November 23rd, right? 1123. One, one, two, three. And if that sequence means anything to you, it's because yesterday, and whether you celebrated or not, yesterday was Fibonacci Day. How many of you celebrated Fibonacci Day? Yes, hands everywhere. Yesterday was Fibonacci Day, one, one, two, three. And that's because Fibonacci was the Italian philosopher, mathematician, who he didn't come up with this sequence, but he was the first that really publicized it, what has become known as the Fibonacci sequence. And the Fibonacci sequence is simply, he started with zero, zero, one, and then zero plus one is one, and then one plus one is two, and then one plus two is three, two plus three is five, three plus five is eight, 5 plus 8 is 13. 8 plus 13 is 21. 13 plus 21 is 34. I mean, we could just keep going. All it is is simply adding the two previous numbers to get the third. That's the sequence. And if you're thinking, where in the world is he heading with this? (laughs) The Fibonacci sequence is one of the most amazing things. And he didn't come up with it. They named it after him because he publicized it. But normally, I don't take two and a half minutes out of a sermon to show you something. But if you'll direct your attention to the screen, I want you to see a two and a half minute video that simply gives us just a hint at what it means, the Fibonacci sequence. Watch this. Around 1200 AD, a man named Leonard Pisano, better known as Fibonacci, discovered a sequence of numbers that created a very interesting pattern. 
The sequence begins with the numbers 1, 1, 2, 3, 5, 8, 13, 21, 34, and continues indefinitely. Each number is obtained by adding the last two digits together. A rectangle with a length and width of any two of the numbers of this sequence forms what is known as the golden rectangle, a perfect rectangle. A golden rectangle can be broken down into squares the size of the next Fibonacci numbers down and below. If we were to take a perfect or golden rectangle, break it down into smaller squares based on Fibonacci's sequence, and divide each with an arc, the patterns begin to take shape. We begin to see Fibonacci's spiral. The spiral in and of itself is insignificant. Its importance is revealed in where we find it. Take for example the sunflower. The display of its florets are in perfect spirals of 55, 34, and 21, the sequence of Fibonacci. The fruitlets of the pineapple create the same spiral based on the sequence. The pine cone does the same. As currents move through the ocean and the tide rolls onto the shore, the waves that bring in the tide curve into a spiral that can be mathematically diagrammed onto a plot at the points 1, 1, 2, 3, 5, 8, 13, 21, 34, and 55. Buds on trees, sand dollars, starfish, petals on flowers, and especially the nautilus shell are formed with this exact same blueprint. With each segment of growth, the nautilus adds to itself one more value on Fibonacci's scale. This blueprint can be seen around us on a small scale every day. But the greatest example of all is directly above our heads. At an average of 100,000 light years across, even the spiral of the galaxies above us are formed with the exact design that the tiny shell is formed. This sequence or blueprint appears to be the trademark of a designer, a proof of a creator, something left behind indicating the one who was there, a fingerprint. As we scan our universe from the tiny flower to the awe-inspiring galaxy, we see the fingerprint of God. As you know, my Fibonacci! Who in the world knew? It appears that there's a designer. It appears that there's a designer. Folks, there is a designer. And it is God. And every time you give witness that I believe that God created, we honor him as God. And so, folks, take a look at Scripture because I want you to see before we leave this, then how do we dishonor him? So if, if, we're, if we're saying, yes, I do want to honor him as God, I do want to acknowledge, how do we do that? Well, first of all, let's understand honor and glory. Glory is the inherent intrinsic worth of God. Glory is who God is. All of the attributes of God, the inherent worth of God is his glory. And so in Christ, at Christmas, when we hear about the, the angels appearing to the shepherds, keeping watch over their flocks at night, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, that was all of the attributes of God being put on display. That was the glory of the Lord. 
Well, what's the difference then between glory and honor? Honor then is us on the inside perceiving the greatness of God and acknowledging that. And so we honor God. Does that make sense? We honor him as who he is. He says he's the creator and I honor him as God. So how do we dishonor him? Stay right there in verse 21. They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking. Okay, the word futile there in the Greek is such an interesting word because where it eventually ends up in the French is in the word fundir, F-U-N-D-E, which is where we get our word funnel. In essence, the word literally means something that pours through or is leaky, all right? And so whenever the scripture says they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, so they became futile in their thinking, it means that it's like our expression, it went in one ear and out the other. So how do we dishonor God? We dishonor God and we don't listen to him. We talk about reading the word of God, but whenever I read, this is what the Bible says, and we say, well, yeah, but... I don't know if I can buy that or not. goes in one ear and out the other. We become futile in our thinking and we dishonor God. When God speaks to our hearts, when he's calling us to something and we don't listen to him, we become nonsensical, futile in our thinking. So how do we dishonor God when we don't listen to him? Here's the second way. They became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Anytime you see darkened in scripture, that's pointing to sin. They became disobedient. How do we dishonor God when we don't listen to him and when we are disobedient? Friends, listen, we all believe that when Jesus Christ came into our hearts at salvation, he freed us from the bondage of sin. I have the power of God within me now to follow him with all my heart and to walk obediently. But when I walk disobediently, I am dishonoring God. When I don't listen, when I dishonor him, and then here's the third way, when we claim to be wise. Look at the very next verse. Verse 22, claiming to be wise, they became fools. And you remember the scripture says, Psalm 14, a fool says in his heart, there is no God. And boy, we can see around us whenever we claim to be wise. And please, friends, if you're thinking about, well, he's only talking about agnostics or atheists, someone who says that they don't believe in God at all, or an agnostic says, well, I'm not for sure that we can know that there is a God. If you think I'm only talking to him, but then please listen. We too, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, sometimes we can claim to be wise. And here's what I mean by that. We read in the scripture where God says to us, honor me first with your money. And yet I take the money that I've been given by God and I say, well, Lord, I, I, I really think it, it would be better spent over here on this. And so, Lord, I'm going to claim to be wise I'm going to claim that I know better than you do in this situation. And so, Lord, I'm going to spend my money the way I think I ought to spend it. 
And so folks, please know this isn't just talking to a world that really wants us to fall into intellectualism and that, oh, please don't tell me you believe that there is a God. Don't, it's not just them. It's all of us can oftentimes claim to be wise. When we are tempted to sin and we argue with God, we try to rationalize the sin, we are claiming to be wise and we dishonor God. All right? So here's how can we be a witness in this world? Honor God as God. Honor him as God. Here's the last thing. So how do we honor him? Look at Romans 1, 1 through 7. Listen to how Paul opens the whole letter. He writes, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Look at verse 5. Through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. In verses 1 through 7, here's what Paul does. He says, here's who I am. I am a servant of Jesus Christ. Here's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to bring about the obedience of faith. Here's why I'm supposed to do it. For his name's sake. And here's where I'm supposed to do it among all the nations. Folks, if you ever wondered how are we supposed to honor God? In essence, everything about Paul, he's saying, is for him. Who I am, I'm a servant of Christ. What I'm supposed to do, I'm supposed to share Christ with people. Why am I supposed to do that? For his name's sake, not for mine. Where am I supposed to do it? Among all the nations. That means wherever he sends me. That's how we honor God. Lord, everything about me is for your name's sake. That is honoring him as God. Here's the second way we can be a witness then. Give thanks to him. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God, nor did they give thanks to him. And so watch for this connection. Listen how, how it works together. Honor leads to thanksgiving. On November the 10th, two weeks ago, we at the beginning of the service said we want to make sure that we recognize our veterans because November 11th was Veterans Day. And so we needed to express that we honor those who serve. And one of the best ways that you can honor those who serve is whenever you see them, what do you do? You thank them. Thanking is one of the greatest ways we honor. We all know that. And so the scripture says, for although they knew God, they neither honored him as God, nor did they give him thanks, because one leads to the other. You want to know how to honor God? Thank him. And so Paul's right there, you remember we read 1 through 7, chapter 1, 1 through 7, that shows how Paul was honoring God, who I am, what I'm to do, why I'm here, and where I'm to go is all about him. And then the very next thing he writes in verse 8, first, I thank my God through Christ Jesus for all of you. I thank my God through Christ Jesus for all of you. Have you ever noticed Have you ever noticed that when I stand before you on a Sunday morning, I never say to you, thank you for being here this morning. Thanks for coming to church. You know why I don't thank you 
Because the thanks goes to God. I, if you'll notice, I will say, boy, I thank the Lord for your attendance here this morning. I thank the Lord that you have come to worship. I thank the Lord because he's the one that got you up. He's the one who put it in your heart. He's the one that made you have the good health, the breath in your lungs to sing praise to the Lord. And so I thank the Lord. And boy, I want you to know where I get that is from Scripture. I'm going to take you real quickly. Romans 1, verse 8. I thank my God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I give thanks to my God. 2 Corinthians, but thanks be to God. Ephesians 1, I do not cease to give thanks for you. Philippians chapter 1, I thank my God. Colossians 1, we always thank God. 1 Thessalonians 1, we give thanks to God for all of you. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, we ought always to give thanks to God. 1 Timothy, I thank him who has given me strength. 2 Timothy 1, I thank God whom I serve. Philemon chapter 1, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers over and over and over and over again in every letter Paul says I thank my God now friends this morning I want you to know we're not to be pharisaical about that because I don't think Paul was here's what I mean by that if after this service is over you hand me a chocolate pie I'm going to say thank you that is really nice I I appreciate that I'm going to say thank you And in my heart, ultimately knowing that my thanks goes to God. I thank my God for everything because he is the giver of every good gift. And so this week, you're going to hear lots of phrases like, oh, we have so much to be thankful for. And you'll say, boy, we sure do. And we let it stop there. Man, I'm sure thankful. I am too. And so then we have the options of who we could thank. We could say things like, boy, I thank goodness that we had good weather this week. See, we're thanking goodness. Or we could say, I thank my lucky stars that we're healthy this week and we're getting ready to have family. And I thank my lucky stars. I want to thank the good fortune that I've had in my life for all that we have. So we thank good fortune. We thank our lucky stars. We thank goodness. And friends, a lost world around us, around us has no idea who we're thanking. We neither honored him as God, nor did we give thanks to him. And so two of the be- most beautiful ways for us to be a witness for Jesus Christ is that we honor him as God and we thank him for all that we have. And so we honor him as God from creation. We honor him from the cross. Paul opened that whole passage, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. God started it. And God is the one who will bring it to completion. I thank my God for all that he's done. Folks, I'm going to close with this. One of the people in history that the Lord has just always used in in my life, the readings, the writings, the speakings, it's a man named George Mueller. And George Mueller was a German. He he was born in early 1800. I, I want to say like 1805. 
and then lived most of the 19th century, didn't die till he was 92 years old, died in 1898. He was a German pastor, pastored the same church for 66 years. As a part of his ministry, George Muir and his wife started a house of orphans in England. And over the years that they had that orphanage, they, just in his lifetime, ministered to over 10,000 orphans. He never asked anyone for any money. But the, the, the history shows us that he would pray and God would pour out money for them to keep those orphans. He was married twice. And that's because his first wife, her name was Mary. When she was only in her 50s, she was diagnosed with rheumatic fever. And she passed away. And I, I just want you to hear what he said at her, her funeral service. He said, were we happy? Verily we were. With every year, our happiness increased more and more. I never saw my beloved wife at any time when I met her, even unexpectedly anywhere in Bristol, without being delighted so to do. I never met her even in the orphan houses without my heart being delighted so to do. Day by day, as we met in our dressing room at the orphan houses to wash our hands before dinner and tea, I was delighted to meet her and she was equally pleased to see me. Thousands of times I told her, darling, I never saw you at any time since you became my wife without my being delighted to see you. What an honor he bestowed upon his wife. Those are the words he said at his funeral. And folks, you think, well, it was too late. No, he said, throughout her life, I told her, I'm so delighted to see you. How he honored her. And then he said this, on the day she died, I fell on my knees and thanked God for her release and for having taken her to himself. He honored her and he thanked God for her. And folks, I, in my life, when I read that, I thought, God, I want to be so quick First of all, to honor my wife that way, but Lord, to honor you. Lord, every time I think of you, I'm so delighted in my heart. Every time when we meet together in prayer or in scripture reading, I'm so delighted. Every time I think of that every good gift, I'm so delighted, Lord, because I want to honor you as God. And Lord, I thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. My thanks goes to you. And that is one way I can honor you, Lord. I just thank you. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that in someone's life today, that journey would begin. 
a journey of honoring you. And Lord, the first way we can do it is to go to the cross. Lord, thank you for Jesus dying for our sin. Lord, I pray that today someone would respond to that. If someone here has never experienced forgiveness, the grace of God, Lord, I pray that they would be saved. I pray that hearts would turn to you. Lord, I pray that we would truly be a people who honor you and give thanks to you. And so, Lord, move in this place. May people respond to you, make commitments to you. Lord, to live our lives fully and completely. Thank you, Lord. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me?